Then you will truly be success. And we know all things work together for the good. The good. And we know all things work together for the good. The good. To those who love God, to those who are called, according to His purpose, it's His purpose, not mine. And we know all things work together for the good, the good, and we know all it is day seven of our 90 day challenge and today day seven our topic for your consideration is lord Breathe your spirit on my skill. We're reading from Exodus, the 35th chapter and the first verse. It reads in this way. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but on the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasps, frames, crossbores, posts and bases, the ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it the table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence, the lampstand that is for light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offerings with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its post and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard, yard and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing Men and women alike came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. 
Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, or the other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord, and everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. And all of the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod, and breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Then Moses said to the Israelites, see the Lord has chosen Bezalel son of Uri the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah and he has filled him with the spirit of God with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahasamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Exodus 36. So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to carry out all of the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. And that ends our reading today in Exodus. Again, the topic for your consideration of purpose is this, Lord, breathe your spirit on my skill. Can you just say that out loud with me? Lord, breathe your spirit on my skill. I want you to fast forward to the end of your life. You are 120 years young. You've lived a long and prosperous life. You've lived a good life. But by the time you take your last breath, what will you leave on the earth as an imprint that says, I was here? What would you like others to find in the archives of history with your name on it? Good. I'm glad that you answered those questions. Now, here is another question. What will they actually find? Purpose is not about what you want to do. Purpose is about what you determine to produce. Purpose is not about what you want to do. Purpose is determined by what you produce. So audit your life for just a moment. How many dreams have you deferred? How many ideas have been postponed? How many books have yet to be written? How many songs are still in your soul? How many businesses have disintegrated in your valley of dry bones? How much time have you invested? Is your time haphazardly spent without a budget? Is your energy expended without accountability? Are your days running into each other? Are you always tired but never resting? Are you going in circles trying to chase after an invisible competitor, but rarely finding satisfaction in what you are doing because you can't remember the last time you did anything that utterly resembled the thing about which you are most passionate? 
What did you see for your life before life happened? Are you satisfied with the samples others will view in your life's portfolio? What paintings aren't there yet? What projects aren't completed yet? What altruistic effort is stuck in your mind because you haven't had time to pull it down into your life? You've only got 24 hours in a day. And these days get tighter and tighter. The demands get greater and greater. When are you going to pull away and answer the hardest question of them all? If God took me today, what would I regret not doing all because I was distracted by the optional stuff that I forgot to accomplish the essential stuff? In short, what are you doing with your life? After you've worked your 60 hour work week and after you spent your salary on clothes you can't take with you, a house you can't pack in your Tumi luggage and a car that has depreciated in value, what will your life mean? What will be the thing people remember you for? At some point in your life, you have to stop and ask yourself, am I making an impact or is my purpose lost in translation? Am I living to impart or existing on autopilot? Think about Mother Teresa, think about Gandhi, think about Dr. Martin Luther King, think about Hitler, think about Bernie Madoff, think about you. After you take your last breath, will people know your why? After you've done all of this stuff on the earth, to check off your to-do list. Will people know your why? Am I living to impart or existing on autopilot? Is anything in my heart materializing into tangible realities? Or am I a name that will be forgotten? A person without a purpose, a silhouette of human existence without proof of life. What about the thing God put you in the earth for? You know that God-sized, larger-than-life concept in your mind? You know, the one you struggle to fully articulate to people who don't see what you see like you see it? You know, that nonprofit organization? You know, that family meeting you wanted to have weekly? You know, that rehabilitation center for troubled teens and single parents? You know, that program for missions, that degree you wanted to obtain so you could change the culture of the company? You know, that health and wholeness ministry that you wanted to design for every church you could encounter, that counseling retreat center so that pastors and spiritual leaders could heal and rest? I'm talking about that thing that you give your last dime for. You had it when you were in college. You were excited in that moment. But after the degree and after the job and after the kids of finding out that you could not have them, where did it go? If we're not careful, we end up doing everything except the thing we are supposed to do. So let me tell you the difference between passion and purpose. Get ready to write. Number one, purpose is a vehicle. Passion is the fuel. Purpose is a vehicle. Passion is the fuel. Purpose is the reason you exist. Passion is the evidence. Passion is the thing you would do even if you didn't get paid to do it. It's the subject that you can read about or listen to for hours without pausing to take a nap, eat lunch, or change your clothes. Passion is fuel. Often passion is discovered when we assess and acknowledge three critical areas of our human composition. Our natural talents, our acquired skills, 
and our spiritual gifts. God has given each of us, yes, you, natural talents, acquired skills, and spiritual gifts. Natural talents are things we are born with. We just know how to do it. No one sat us down and taught us how to belt out notes like that. It's a natural skill. No one taught us how to be organized, but ever since we can remember, we've been coordinating colors, removing clutter, and folding clothes like we work at Old Navy. You've been able to fix things naturally. A door, a window, a computer. These are natural talents. Acquired skills, however, are things we learn over time. Personally, I acquired the skill of writing. My major in college was English, and after reading so many books, I determined, well, maybe I could take a stab at writing one. And the rest is history. The spiritual gifts, however, are grace gifts that come from God. These are downloads from heaven that you can't explain and you can't impart. The closer you get to God, the clearer your spiritual gifts become. For the purpose of today's thought, however, I just want to park my car at the acquired skills section of your purpose library. The Bible explains that Moses has been told to leave the mountain, as we discussed yesterday, and now he is to look for Bezalel and Aholiab. Both of these men have been, quote, filled with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skill. Y'all, this is pre-Pentecost. This is pre-upper room. This is said at the beginning of the Old Testament in the book of Exodus before the movie even gets good. Long before Jesus shows up as the God man in the world, God is filling people with his spirit, but not just any person. He's filling people with skill, with his spirit and included in its benefit package are wisdom, understanding, knowledge and skill. So not only are these two men skilled, but they have been given the ability to teach others. Most people, when reading these verses at first glance, only focus on the skills that these men have. And I get it. Your skills will lead you down the path toward discovering purpose. I get it. But before we glorify the skill, let's pay attention to what God actually says. He says to Moses, I have filled them with the spirit. Full stop. Take a moment and reread it. I, the Lord, have skilled them with the spirit. Many people have skill. Not everyone has spirit. When God breathes his spirit over your skill, success is guaranteed. Moses had to be humble enough to transfer the plans God gave him on the mountain to the men God appointed for the job. And when their skill met God's spirit, the Ark of the Covenant was designed. Your skills are powerless without his spirit. Your skills are merely disassembled furniture pieces until the divine manufacturer puts the pieces together through his spirit. This is a major lesson for people committed to discovering purpose because most self-help books will tell you it's the grind that will get you the interview. Nope, it's his spirit. Most TED Talks will tell you it's scientific data and empirical formulae that if performed will give you the outcome you need. Nope. It's his spirit. Many of us have skill, but no spirit. And when we do not have the spirit, we articulate, but we are not anointed. We are eloquent, but we are not effective. We are impressive, but not impactful. We are good, but not great. So today I want you to pray this simple prayer. Lord, breathe your spirit on my skill. Every person in scripture whom God used to do miraculous things began with this statement or something similar. I don't know what I'm doing. 
<laughs> Joseph said it when the baker and the cupbearer came to him in the prison and he said, only God can interpret these dreams. Ezekiel said it in the Valley of Dry Bones when the spirit engages Ezekiel and says, will these dry bones live? He says, Lord, only you know. Jeremiah said it in his own way when he told God that I cannot speak. It was Isaiah who said it as well when he said, I am a man of unclean lips. It is our insufficiency, not our competency, that opens the door for God's superpower, otherwise known as the spirit. He will plug his spirit into your skill. And then and only then will God give us the power to create arcs, planes, systems, refrigerators, can openers, instruction manuals, dissertations, curling irons, iPhones, and love songs. All of these happen because God infuses his spirit onto our skill. I tell this story often about when I first started writing books, but I wanna show you an excerpt of the story because I believe it grounds my point in this prayer, Lord, breathe your spirit on our skill. When I first started publishing, I was at Duke University. The Lord told me to become a voice to the voiceless, to write for those who could not write for themselves, to help pastors who needed to disseminate information, prophetic declarations into the world. With your level of expertise, I'm going to allow you to be an Aaron to Moses. I'm going to allow you to not be the number one guy, but you're going to hold up the arms of the number one guy. One of the things we have to be okay with is being who God called us to be, not who people want us to be. Because God doesn't anoint clones. He only anoints the authentic you. So maybe you're not getting the blessing because you're pretending to be someone else. So here I am trying to start up this publishing company 10 years ago, and if it was not for Bishop Donald Hilliard, I actually would not be exactly where I am today. Someone told Bishop Hilliard about me, and Bishop Hilliard, I'll never forget it, I'm sitting in North Carolina, he calls me at 11.30 p.m., I don't know why, he likes to call me after 11 o'clock all the time, to this day, son, I'm like, Bishop, I'm asleep. How you doing? I'm like, good. So when I first met Bishop Hilliard, I'm on the phone with him. I had met you and Bishop Hilliard at a dinner, at a breakfast. And someone told him that I published, he wanted to do a book on Pentecost. And he started asking me about what I do. I said, well, this is what I do. This is how I do it. He said, come to the church on Sunday. I said, no problem. How many services do you have? I think he had like a seven, a nine, an 11. I said, the blood of Jesus. So he invited me to the nine o'clock service. So now listen, I'm 22 years old. This is a real big client for me. And I know that there's something on the inside that the world needs. And there is this thing that's happening. Have you ever had this thing going on where you know there's greatness in you, but you're waiting for the world to catch up? You know that there's greatness in you. But you're like David, they got to find you in the field because you're not going to audition for yourself. So here I am, this opportunity now is meeting destiny and you can imagine how nervous I am. I'm only meeting one man, but I got 1,500 business cards in my right back pocket. And so imagine this young kid about to meet Bishop Donald Hilliard who has all these connections to all these great people. I have four different ties. I have four different suits. I don't know which one to wear. I get to the cathedral 
and the Ursha with that one white glove, crisp white glove, tells me to come all the way down to the front. I'm still traumatized by her invitation for me to come to the front. I get to the front and there are cameras everywhere and they're worshiping and they're doing their thing and all I keep thinking is this is my moment, this is my moment. God's about to catapult me when I meet Bishop Hilliard and I'm so excited, I'm kind of paying attention, kind of not waiting for Bishop to come outside. I'm so, so nervous because there's something on the inside of me that's telling me payday is here. And so I'm sitting there and halfway through the service, I'm looking and the door doesn't open. Bishop doesn't come out. I'm wondering what's going on. So 45, 50 minutes into the service, that same usher with that one finger comes up, walks over to me and then whispers something into my ear. She says, um, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but Bishop is under the weather. He's not coming, but enjoy the worship. Excuse me. <laughs> what did you just say to me? Enjoy the worship. And I said, Damon, in my mind. I didn't say it out loud. I said it in my mind. I didn't say it out loud. I said it in my mind. But I didn't come to worship. Y'all can judge me all y'all want to. But the truth of the matter is, some of y'all came for a boo. Y'all didn't come here for worship. Some of y'all came here for a business deal. Y'all didn't come here for worship. So I said in my mind in the front row, I said I didn't come for worship and I heard the Holy Ghost say, and that's why I let Bishop Hilliard stay home. Because anytime you come to my house for any other reason but worship, I will stop your motive and change your intention. And I just want to take a poll. Are there any people in here that came for one reason and one reason only? I didn't come to look cute. I do look cute, but I didn't come for that. I didn't come for a spouse. I didn't come for a gig. I came for one reason. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to demonstrate the reason that you came to the house. of kings and the Lord of lords for the great I am for the worthy lamb not to get a job not to get a house not to get a boo not to sign a contract but I came so check this so check this so Bishop I tell you no lie this happened 10 years ago I tell you no lie, the Lord rebuked me in the front row. And he said, if you bring another business card to church, I'll compromise every client. In that moment, I'm sitting there convicted because I know there's something inside of me. I'm waiting for the world to catch up. I'm like, Lord, how you going to do it? The worship leader. That's why worship leaders got to pray. Because this worship leader got up in the moment that the spirit was leading me and convicted me and the worship leader said your name is above all names your word the of all I praise and mighty are the works of your hands mighty are the works of your hands I think y'all missed it this is the first thing that the worship leader said your name is above all names and right in that moment when I heard your name is above all names 
I remembered that God's name is above Bishop Hilliard's name. That God's name is above Oprah's name. That God's name is above Tyler Perry's name. So if I never meet Tyler Perry, there is a name above all names. And I can get on my knees and I can call on that name. And that name will bring me what I need, even if I don't have a business card. I want to know, is there anybody here that can worship that name? That name that brings healing. That name that brings freedom. That name that brings deliverance. And from that time on, to this day, somebody came to me yesterday and said, do you have a business card? I said, I do not. Because every door God opened, it was because the name ushered me into the season of access. And I came to tell you that God don't need your audition. You need his favor. My friends, I want you to know this. Whether you are Moses in this story, trusting God to connect you with skilled workers for his purpose, or you are Bezalel or Aholiab, empowered with the skills that only God could have given you, the key to a life of impact is God's spirit. So how, Sean, do I access God's spirit? I must be willing to get in the spirit. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, Sean, how do I access God's spirit? I must be willing to get in the spirit. For John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Listen, I know you're up for a promotion. I know you're studying to pass the exam. I know the pressure of wanting to be qualified. It's upon you and the certifications are endless. But today, I want you to pause from the skill grind and press into the spirit. Pray before you post. Worship before you work. Keep first things first and watch God move your application from the bottom of the pile to the top. Watch God open doors that no man can shut. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. You are the one in whom God has invested. You're the one. Let me tell you straight up, God's spirit is on you and you are past due. Now is the time for you to walk in purpose with full force and unapologetic execution. God has a special strategy for you to get the job done. But the only way you can access this password protected plan is to get in the spirit. So what is your purpose project today? I've said it, but I want to reiterate it. I want you to get in the spirit. Pause from the to-do list and pray for the spirit. Remember, when God breathes his spirit on your skill, what seems hard to others will become effortless to you. With that in mind, let's pray. Lord, breathe your spirit on my skill. Amen. Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter and the sixth verse. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. In other words, what God is saying to us 
is Don't Forget Me. Yes, you are the blessing. 